Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it is not complicated. In fact, following Jesus can be as simple as act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. And through this podcast, we hope to make life a little bit easier for all of us who are a little bit overwhelmed with the idea of trying to be a Jesus follower. And how in the world do you follow perfection? How in the world do you follow the Son of God? Well, it's a little bit easier than you might think. In fact, in this podcast, we have spent a lot of time talking about different aspects to make your Christian life a little bit easier, your leadership a little bit easier, your serving in a church a little bit easier. And our attempt today is to try to make it a little bit less anxious as well. Over the past few weeks at our uh, campuses, we've been talking about this passage from Philippians chapter 4, where Paul says to be anxious for nothing. And it's an incredible passage, ends up being the most highlighted passage in the Bible, which is a little surprising because you would think you would think that would be, you know, John 3.16 or Psalm 23 or something like that. But it's actually this verse from Philippians, where Paul actually says, Do not be anxious about anything, and by prayer and petition present your requests to God with thanksgiving. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What an unbelievable promise that is if we simply surrender these things over to Him. So what I thought I'd do today in the time that we have is I just wanted to share with you my journey with this. Uh, If you've watched any of our messages or if you've listened to them uh, online or been in one of our services, you've probably heard me talk about my own issues with anxiety. Uh, I, I have struggled with this my entire life, and I've wrestled with it because of a part of my genetics, part of my uh, parents' gift they passed on to me, and I passed on to my kids. And uh, it was years before I heard a doctor actually refer to it as GAD, General Anxiety Disorder. So what do you do with this? Well, in my case, it was even a little bit more focused or unique, where your anxiety might be about your job, your anxiety might be about uh, your spouse or your kids, and I've had all of those. But in my case, I think what I've wrestled with the most is kind of wedding together my job and my spiritual life by assuming that they were the same thing and that they tied together and my performance in my ministry role really determined whether or not God loved me. I had a conversation with a friend who uh, told me, uh, years ago, he said, I was expre- expressing to him all of my struggles with anxiety, and he said, your problem is you don't love God. I said, what are you talking about? I'm a pastor. And he said, yeah, but the scriptures say that uh, the reason we love God is because he first loved us. He said, you don't believe he loves you, so how can you love him back? I thought about that, and I realized that I'd done a lot of preaching and teaching about God loves you. But I kind of believed it was for everybody else, not for me. I kind of felt like with me, it was a wait and see thing. God was waiting to see how good I did for him, whether or not he was going to love us. I've been learning a lot recently about Hinduism and uh, Islam and other religions. And I've been learning that they operate solely on works-based mentality and are standing with God as everything to do with how good of a person we are and how much good we do. So really, in my growing up and in my early years of ministry, I was pretty much a practicing Hindu when it came to my understanding of grace. I really viewed it as, how well could I earn it? 
So all of this led me to a position of needing some help. I went to a a retreat center, my wife and I did, uh, about seven years ago to meet with a counselor over the period of a week. And he diagnosed this problem in me as well. And he gave me an assignment. He said, Rusty, I want you to go through your Bible, and I want you to start looking for passages where it talks about the love of God. And then after you've done all of that, I want you to boil it all down, and I want you to write a letter to yourself from God, what he thinks about you, what his scriptures say he thinks about you. And then I want you to read that at least once a day for the next six months, and then maybe once a week. Friends, I've never shared this letter publicly, but I felt like at the conclusion of our anxiety series, maybe, maybe I needed to. And maybe this letter might help you write your own letter, because this letter has been life-giving to me. And I can say that because I don't feel like I'm putting words in God's mouth. I wrote this off of the words he's given to us through the scriptures. And so this is what I came up with. Dear Rusty, I know you've believed for over 40 years that your worth is based on your performance. I know you've thought perfection, control, and pleasing are your only ways to make people happy, and now thus to build a church, and thus make me happy with you. While you've offered the gospel of grace and mercy to everyone else, you assumed when it came to you it only affected eternity, not the here and now. And while you've trusted me with every part of your life, eternity, family, friends, even church, you've never trusted me with you. But here is my truth. I already love you as much as Jesus. And this comes from John 17, verse 23. You love me as much as you love Jesus. As much as I welcome the younger brother home, I've gone out to find you and invite you to the party as well. This comes from the story of the prodigal son from Luke 15. Everything I have is yours. You are not only forgiven and bound for heaven, you are free while you wait. This comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Christ has set me free to live a free life. You are not condemned, you are accepted. This comes from Romans 3, 24. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares I am righteousness. This comes from Romans 8. Verse 1, so now there is no condemnation for me since I belong to Jesus. You live in peace with me, not fear. This comes from Romans 5, verse 1, since I have been made right in God's sight by faith, I have peace with God because of what Jesus has done. And this is the one, friends, that really still chokes me up. And I am already impressed with you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, You take delight in me with gladness. With your love you calm my fears. You rejoice over me with joyful songs. So when it comes to living for me, working for me, serving me, relax. I am with you. We're in this together. This comes from Psalms 55, verses 16 through 18. I cry out to you and you hear me and keep me safe from the battle waged against me though many still oppose me. Your weaknesses and your mistakes, they can't ruin my plans for you. This comes from 2 Corinthians 12.9. His grace is all I need and his power works best in my weakness. Though your achievements are great, the greatest thing is we'll be together forever. 
This comes from Luke 10, verse 20. Don't rejoice that evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your name is registered in heaven. After all, your performance didn't save you. My grace did. This comes from Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. God revealed his kindness and loved and saved me, not because of righteous things I had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away my sin, giving me a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. So give me your filter, your truth, your solutions, your knowing. Give me all things written on your heart, and I will give you a new heart. This comes from Ezekiel 36, verse 26. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I love you. I'm proud of you. You are mine, your Heavenly Father. Friends, I don't know what your letter will look like, but I know that many of the truths that I just read might be what you need to hear. And they're just as true for you as they are for me. A neurotic, broken pastor. And no matter where you are and what you're dealing with, you too can experience that love and acceptance of God. It might be just the thing for your anxiety. Next week, my co-host Brad will be back. We're going to have a really interesting conversation about are our cell phones making our lives more complicated? And you might say, of course they are, but why? What's that doing to our kids? What's that doing to our family? We're going to have that discussion next week. As always, if this podcast helps you at all, share it with a friend and hope to see you next time.